Hello everyone, welcome to the Patchwork Challenge podcast. This is podcast number four, five, James? Yes. Which one is it? <laughs> uh, I think it's number five. five. Yeah, maybe. Number five. It's a number anyway. It's a number between four and six, inclusive. Last month we had Ryan, we made a few predictions which we'll be re- revisiting shortly. We played What Am I? Ryan achieved a pretty good score of eight. And this month we've got... Julian Hughes, who is going to try and beat that, and uh, we're also joined by James Spencer and Niall, unpronounceable surname Keo as well. Say hello, everyone, all at the same time. Hello, hello, hello. hi. Lovely, you're all sounding you're all sounding very good. Now, Julian, uh, this is your first time on the Patchwork Challenge podcast, so describe your patch for us a wee bit. If you could describe your patch in five words, how would you describe it? Yeah, I'd say it's a man-made wetland in a stunning landscape. It's about six, actually, but forget the app. So, sorry, I should also um, get you to say where your patch is. Yeah, so it's the RSPB Conway Nature Reserve in North Wales. And it's a man-made wetland in a in a stunning... In a stunning landscape. So what it is, is basically, about 20-odd years ago, uh, a tunnel was built under the under the River Conway, a road tunnel, mm-hmm. and they had to, to put they had to put 3 million tonnes of stuff, silt and sand and rubble and rubbish, somewhere. So they basically dumped it on the salt marsh, which was pretty bad for the salt marsh. But what they created was a, uh, was, was, was a wetland, and the RSPB has been managing it for 21 years. So that was, well, that was many more than five words. If you could describe your patch in five birds... How would you describe it? Um, I'll I'll tell you the five, and then I'll tell you quickly why. So okay, my five would be starling, <laughs> white wagtail, little egret, chuff, and curlew. I was so not expecting star- starling. So, so I chose starling because in the winter, amazing murmuration. Last winter, 50,000 birds. People came from all over the place to see them. It was just absolutely fantastic, really. I mean, nothing beats a starling murmuration in the middle of winter, does it? Just brill. Mm. White wagtail, um, because in the spring, the salt marsh is just crawling with them. Uh, it's one of the best places to see wagtails of all, all sorts of descriptions uh in the springtime and the white wagtails are working their way up through wales with a kind of jumping off point before they have to cross the irish sea uh, and they're heading up to iceland and it's just brilliant in april you know mm. you can have 60 70 100 in the morning it's fantastic yeah i think white wagtails are absolutely stunning birds and you know obviously i think you get a lot more of them on the, in the west than we get in the east but it's something that i spend a bit of time uh looking out for at this time of year when there's no proper migrants to look out for. I quite often start sifting through Alba Wagtails trying to sort the uh, the whites from the pides. Um, what was yeah, next? Much, hard, much, harder, much harder this time of year, of course. But yeah, just in the last week or so, I've been picking out small numbers amongst the pides. Mm. Yeah, same here, same here. So what was next? Little Egret, I think you said. Little... Little egret, uh, just because they're stunning birds. I never tire. I mean, I know we we've been used to having them round for what twenty years, but I never tire of watching watching little egrets. They're just brilliant. And the last couple of weeks has just been amazing. There's lots of sprats and mackerel been pushed into the uh, been pushed into the river uh, over the last couple of weeks, and the egrets have gone bonkers for them. It was a feeding frenzy of egrets. I counted 124, <laughs> all tightly packed into a few square meters. Uh, in one of the river channels uh, one day last week, and it was just bonkers. It was like watching an albatross frenzy off the back of a trawler in South Africa, but these were egrets, and this was Conway, so lovely birds. 
So Chuff's not with not a. I, I want to see Chuff on the deck at Conway. I've not mm. actually seen one on the ground, but we do get them flying over regularly. So we're sort of the the reserve is midway between uh, where they where they spend the night. Uh, you know where they're roosting on the Little Orm and the Great Orm, which are two headlands uh, that, yeah. off the north coast of Wales, uh, about two or three miles away from the reserve. And they go, go and feed on the pasture, go and feed amongst the sheep somewhere in the Conway Valley. So in the mornings you can have two, four. 10 maybe flying over and I, who can't love that ringing chow sound it's just brilliant and of course wales has a, of the four countries of uh, gb for uh, wales has by far the biggest proportion of the population so it's a really really important bird for us in wales and, and chuffs have got so much personality as well i mean I, I don't get to see them that often i get to see them about once a year but uh yeah they're absolutely stonking birds love them and the final one was the final one was curlew um, just because, um, I mean, we all know that curlews are in deep trouble. Uh, you know, they're arguably Britain's most important conservation bird of conservation mm-hmm. concern. Uh, we hold a big chunk of the world population and they're going down the pan. But to, to hear them on a winter morning, you know, that lovely long bubbling call. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we've just done the webs count today and there was about 400 of them uh, on the reserve and they're just magic. I love, I love watching curlews. Fantastic. Well, that was great. That really worked. I feel like I, I feel like I've been there now. That was quite sort of uh, sensible. And now this is going to sort of degrade into the usual Patriot Challenge podcast nonsense, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but thanks for thanks for starting us off well. Anyway, if you could just go through some of your best find. Well, what's your best find on your patch? Best find on the patch, I think, has to be citrine wagtail, nice. which was a which was a stonking spring male. Uh, in 2008, I'd actually only been had only been up uh, this neck of the woods uh, a few months. I moved up here in the in the January, and this was I think in about the April. And uh, it was actually um, it, I'd actually gone looking for the looking for a Spanish wagtail, a you know Iberian mm-hmm. yellow wagtail, which uh, some of the other local birders had had in the salt marsh a few days before. And I couldn't find this. I, I couldn't find this Siberian wagtail. I was listening out for its call. I was looking for it in the salt marsh. Nothing doing. And uh, I knew I, I was on. I was a bit time limited, and I had to get back. And I thought I'll just give the give the salt marsh one last scan. And just out of two tufts of of, uh, of plant plants in the salt marsh, this bright yellow head <laughs> of, a, of a stonking male citrine wag popped up. And I wow. Um, hmm. At that moment, I kind of forgot about Iberian wagtail because uh, that was the f- first citrine wagtail I've ever found, or the only citrine wagtail I've ever found. Uh, it was at the time, I think it was something like the the third for Wales or the fourth for Wales or something. Pretty, they were obviously they've become a bit commoner since. In fact, we've had three at Conway uh, in the years since. But that was definitely, you know, um, uh, that was about three months into me being at Conway, and uh, I've not managed to top it since. Hmm. And this is, of course, while it was still a BB. This was still a BB rarity, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Before they devalued it for everyone. Well, well, we still value them in Wales because, of course, we have the Welsh we have, we have the Welsh records panel in Wales, which is part of the Welsh Ornithological Society. So they're still it's still a tip top bird for us in mm-hmm. Wales. We're very happy with that. We we have obviously we have a Scottish Rarities Committee in Scotland as well, and Sitwag would be assessed by them. I wonder uh, if this is something we could do on another podcast, an English Rarities Committee. James, as our English representative, what do you think? That would just they'd, they'd just be fighting everywhere. It would go horrendously wrong. Not on the podcast, though. Yeah. Well, no, not on the podcast. It's okay to start the fight if you're not involved in it. Well, no, no. I mean, I'm quite happy to throw hand grenades in. Yeah. But I mean, it would. Yeah. I can see that you're not particularly enthusiastic about that. 
Um, <laughs> do you know what? I'm going to go back to Julian because he's much better at answering questions. Um, so what's your, <laughs> what's your best find this year then, Julian? Uh, I've probably got two. So um, we uh, Hooded Crow, which Ooh. was a first first record for the reserve. It's, it, Hooded Crows has just become so hard to find uh, these days. You know, um, you know. I, I remember back in the. Well, I mean, you know, the, when I lived in East Anglia, you know, back in the eighties, they used to be. You know, they used to be quite regular on the marshes there, coming in from the continent. They've, they've become really hard. Uh, they're a bit commoner in Wales, of course. We get them coming over from Ireland, but normally just on the Anglesey coast up in the northwest. So to have one on the estuary is to have one on the on the reserve was just fantastic uh, and i think it's probably been hanging around because actually was some dutch bird has reported it in the summer and i think it's been uh, been seen again nearby since so that was one of them because that was a that was a first for the reserve and the other just because loads of people have been able to see it is i found a great white egret uh, here in july again i know it's not bb anymore uh, you know it's a, it's but still a welsh rarity and in mm-hmm. in north wales i think there's only been 13 previous records it's actually quite a rare bird still up here um, and that's been fantastic and it's been back into and then one day last week while I was away from the reserve somebody managed to photograph two together uh, so that was so that was quite nice so I did I didn't find the second but I did find the first and you wouldn't feel cheated if uh, if that great white egret was only to be worth two points next year for Patriot Challenge well, I'd feel slightly aggrieved because we don't get many in North Wales, but you know, we get we get we get chuff, and that would be that would be pretty hard for other people. So it all balances out. It, exactly, day, it, it does, doesn't it? And to finish off talking about Conway, what's your best alternative find? And this could be anything. You know, if you found like a Camberwell Beauty or something, then you can have that as your best alternative find. I mean, I, I list mine as something that I'm not drunk enough to mention on this podcast: uh, a twenty pound note. And a topless sunbather. So, what's your best alternative find? It's a difficult one, actually. <laughs> so, my kind of serious natural history one was um, I'd love to find a Camberwell Beauty. I'd be delighted <laughs> with that. Uh, but I was quite happy finding Black Data, which obviously yes. is not a uh, dragonfly that's normally up in the hills and we're down at sea level. Uh, so, uh, so, 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 found, found, I found a couple of those actually over the years. So, they're always nice. Um, what else have I found that's been a bit? What else have I found a bit um, that's been a bit odd and a bit weird? Um, yes, I mean you do find visitors in strange places doing strange <laughs> things, which we try to gloss over and not stick on Twitter. And uh, what else have we found? Um, the the thing about Conway, because it's as I said at the beginning, it's a kind of a it was made from all sorts of crap that came out of the bottom of the bottom of the, the estuary and the tunnel. Um, is whenever you dig a hole, if ever you try and plant a tree or put a fence post in you never quite know what you're going to find and it, mm. it, it, there is supposedly a lorry down there <laughs> uh, sort of an entire an entire cement mixer is apparently some somewhere down there uh, and i just um, i've not found i've not found it yet but uh, I, you know i wait for the day that i'm putting a fence post in and uh, and there's a, and, and i'll i might think i've struck oil so uh, so i'm actually hoping i don't find that down there is there still a driver inside it <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. Yeah, yes. You know, you, you know what they get up to on building sites. <laughs> uh, Julian, I uh, just wonder if I could ask a question about your patch there. Um, I've just had a look, uh, you know, on Google Maps, doing some prep here for the podcast, obviously, and I've noticed that Conway's kind of, you know, upriver. So I suppose you'd probably class it maybe in the sort of estuarine type league. You know, not exactly on the open coast, but um, how do you fare for seabirds like after storms? And this is mostly kind of coming 
from the angle that like, I can concede it as like a, a really obvious bridge just there to the to your east. Like, you know, do you find that this is acts as a barrier to getting like gallant yeah, or anything or it acts as a big barrier. Yeah. So um so we sometimes so we get occasionally get things like common scoter get blown in, uh and and sometimes orcs and phalaropes. We've had a couple of grey phalaropes. We've had two Wilsons two Wilson's phalaropes actually over the years, which is pretty neat. Um but and we get you know, there was we had Gillymot a couple of days ago. But those bigger seabirds, we just don't seem to get. I've never seen a fulmer. I've never seen a gannet. I think I've only seen one kitty wake. Um, and I'd love to see, you know, I mean, on a, on a, on a northwesterly blow, uh, the, the open coast here, places like Rose Point and the Little Orm, you might get, hundred, you know, in September on a northwesterly blow, you might get hundreds of leeches petrels going past. Haven't man, ever managed a single leeches petrel in the estuary. So uh, so the bridge does act as quite a barrier. We're actually about, well, because of the Great Orm, we're actually about five or six miles inland from the sea. Uh, so we're quite, a, we are, we're just, we, we, the lagoons are next to the estuary, uh, but we don't, we don't get a lot coming, coming in, unfortunately. Cool, cool. Yeah, I was having a chat with Howard Vaughan about this, uh, you know, in relation to the RSPB site in, at Raynham in the Thames. And they, he would, like, luckily enough for them, after a good easterly blow, they can get fulmers and stuff, but he still reckons that a couple of the bridges, if they weren't there, they might get a bit more, you know, so. Yes, yeah, mind you, mind you the, the, the Thames is a dance site bigger than the Conway. The Conway's about 200 yards wide, and the te- what's the Thames at Raynham? About a mile wide, so yeah. that probably makes a difference too. Have you got any questions, James? So, Julian, what, why Patchwork Challenge then? What what drove you to get involved in the competition, really? Because you were one of our originals. You signed up in 2013, along with Henry Cook, who's also patching the same reserve. So I'm just interested in, in why you do it, why you kept doing it, and what's in it for you. I I love I love it. I think it's just I think it's just a great way. I'm a, I've always loved local patching. Uh, you know I I don't really twitch these days. I mean I used to years ago. I used to do lots of twitching all over the country. I don't. I'm I'm not too fussed about that now. Um, I just love getting to know your local patch. I've the, my previous local patch where I lived in Cambridgeshire, Paxton Pitts. Uh, I, you know, I patched that for about 15, 20 years. That was brilliant. Uh, when I came up to Conway, obviously, I'm lucky enough to work at the place. Uh, and uh, and it's just about getting to know your patch. Uh, so you get to know the changes between, you know, between years. You know, you know what's unusual. You know what's common. You know what, you know, you, if you see a big number of something, you've got a fair idea that, you know, that it's a, a record count or whatever. Uh, so I, I, I just think it's a great, I think Patchwork Challenge is a great way of just uh, sort of, you know, trying to just beat yourself, you know, each year, just trying to do, uh, trying to drive yourself to get out there a bit more and uh, put more records in. I'm also a big fan of Bird Track, and I think the connection with between Patchwork Challenge and Bird Track is brilliant. And, uh, you know, uh, I can't remember how many, uh, you know, I submit several thousand records each year, well, probably more than that, several thousand records each year from Conway uh, onto Bird Track. And again, I, you know, I know that that data is actually going to be useful going up into the into the big BTO cloud in the sky, to, you know, that that information sort of has wider use. Um, and also it's, you know, even though Henry beats me every year, um, or has done so far. Uh, there's, you know, it's good to have a bit of crack, you know, little local rivalry between birders doing the same place. I was, I was going to touch on that because I, I did a little bit of research. I mean, I know this is Patrick Challenge podcast, and we're, we're fairly shambolic, but I looked at the numbers briefly, and I see that you're losing two one to Henry. However, this year you're both absolutely storming it, and you're 
way, way ahead of uh, where you have been in the past. So w- what's happened this year to put you so far ahead of uh, normal? And also, do you think you can bridge the gap to Henry? Uh, I think it's 12 points at the moment. And ca- can you take it this year? Well, I'm going to get. I'm certainly giving a, giving it a good go. Um, how have I managed to do it? Well, for for change, I've I've not been on holiday this year, and 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 Henry's been working away. So 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 that's 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 been a definite advantage to me. Um, I I kind of get a chance to sort of walk around the reserve before work in the morning. I'm sort of out there between eight and nine. Uh, I don't always get that much chance to get around there later in the day. So sometimes you know Henry's out there. Henry can manage to get there at high tide and and, and clean up on some extra goodies. Uh, and uh, and some of the visible migration as well in the mornings. Uh, so why am I doing? Yeah, I just I, I've, I'm, I think I've put more more hours in this year. Uh, I suspect um, I've been really lucky. Uh, the, the birds have fallen quite well. There's still a good few birds. You know, I've not seen, I was lamenting earlier today. I've not seen a rough yet at the reserve. Uh, you know, kind of time's running out for some of those things. Um, but uh, no, I've, I've you know Henry, Henry's seen some birds. I haven't. I've seen some birds. Henry hasn't. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're both doing well this year. Can I close the gap? I'm going to give it a bloody good go. Mm. Well, good luck with it. Can I uh, thank James for asking a second question and Julian for taking a nice long time to answer it because it's given me enough time to go and get myself another beer. So uh, <laughs> thanks very much for doing that. It, I'm beginning to realise that it, this sounds a lot better when I'm not involved, um, <laughs> unfortunately. So let's move on to a wee game. Now... We were having a chat. We've got like a little sort of Patrick Challenge admin group on Facebook where we talk about stuff, and we were talking about uh, a few ticking a few things that were available in the country at the moment. So we've got three options, and I've got three people on the podcast. So we'll take one each. Give me like a a snappy answer. Would you take this bird? Uh, and just a, a couple of lines on on why you would or you wouldn't. So we'll go with uh, Niall first, and Niall likes a seabird, so we'll give you the red-footed booby. Well, at what stage am I seeing this bird? You're seeing somebody <laughs> tip it out am of I a box. Am I finding it on the beach, or am I seeing it getting released? Yeah, right. Someone's going to walk it to the edge of a cliff in a box, and they're going to tip it over the edge, and you know it's alive, but it, basically it's just going to tumble down the cliff and splash into the water at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> well thankfully i've seen red-footed booby in indonesia so it wouldn't be a world tick uh, but on in for you know coming to a national tick if it's been rehabilitated and been released out of a cardboard box absolutely no way no way we're taking that like good not a chance good answer okay james yeah pg tips at spurn in the hand any any problem with that no no problem at all i mean I think if if you're walking through and you the bird goes into a net, the bird's there. It's not being held in captivity, uh, so you've gone to view view the guys ringing it. The bird's being let go after having been ringed. It's not. I mean, you're lucky to be able to get the view, but it's a wild bird. It's not being held in captivity, so it's it's just it's not a great experience compared to say kicking one out of a ditch in Shetland and then you know getting the euphoria. But still, I mean, it's, I, I don't see why you wouldn't. Good. Good answer, Julian. And this is a no-brainer, really. But you know, I needed a third one. Western purple swamp chicken, whatever people are calling it today. Um, yeah. Well, I've not bothered myself crossing <laughs> the country to go and see it. Um, I, I mean, as it stands, I think it's. I, I, I think it stands a pretty good chance. I mean, given the movement of 
uh, purple swamp ends up through northwest Europe this mm. uh, this summer. Uh, if it's going to be if it's going to happen any year, then it's going to be this year. So uh, I yeah, uh, although I haven't actually bothered to go and see it, I think those that uh, those that have done stand a pretty good chance of saying, yep, I'll have it. Thanks. I agree. I think it's I think it's totally legit. I don't think I'd drive too far to see it because it is one of the world's ugliest birds. I would go too far to see. But uh, I think it's wild. Um, right, now, we're going to move on now. Last podcast, Ryan and I played a game that Ryan and I have been playing for maybe about 20 years now, and it's called Who Am I? And I'm going to think of a bird, or I'm not going to think of a bird, actually, Ryan has told me a bird, and Julian has the unfortunate task of trying to work out what that bird is by asking a series of questions that I can only answer yes or no to. Now, before you start, Julian, uh, Ryan got yellow-legged gull, in eight questions last time. The record, as far as I am aware, my record at least, is four questions. And I will keep a tally of the questions and I will answer the questions. If I don't know the answer, I will say so and it won't count as a question. I gave Ryan a clue last time and I told him that his bird, his bird's name was hyphenated. Your bird's name is also hyphenated. There's your clue. Uh, and before we start, if uh, Niall or James want to heckle or butt in or help or tell me that I've got something wrong, then of course, please do. So, Julian, I've got my pen ready. I'm about to take a tally. Are you ready? Yep, go for it. So, you go for it. You've got to ask me a question. <laughs> so I have. Oh, yeah, that's how it works. Right. Uh, is it on the British list? Mm. Yes. And I'm not going to charge you a question for that because... I should have said that all you know. It's always going to be something on oh, the British list. So that's it's what, a British species. You've Fine. got that for okay. free. Right. So next one. Um, is it a passerine? E, uh, what is it? Yes, it is. <laughs> that could be a clue. That is a. Well, no, it's just I forgot what Ryan had said. So uh, it's it's not a clue. It's a. It's just an indication of how shambolic this whole process is. <laughs> um, it's a passerine. Uh, is it a? Is it a warbler? No. Um, does it have a colour in its name? Whoa, good question. Yes, it does. Is the colour red? Whoa, he's on one. Yes, it is. But the record's safe, because that was your fourth question, so I can I can breathe a sigh of relief. I think he might be in in five, though. He could be, couldn't he? I mean, there aren't that many passerines with red in the name, are there? No, but I can't <laughs> but I can think of more than one, so it's going to... Uh, so, um, is it red flank blue tail? No, it's not. It's not that. Question number five, done. Is it red back strike? No. Come on, chaps, <laughs> give him a hand. Uh, I'll give you a clue. Night. I'll give you a clue. There's some about on the East Coast at the moment. Shall I, shall I do an impression of this bird's call? Please. <laughs> no, no, please do, actually. I want to hear this. <laughs> Oh, this is. Why did I say I'd do that? <laughs> <laughs> Two beers, Mark. Oh, cranky. I'm going to have to go and practice somewhere. Right, I'll go. Oh, that was quite good. Did you hear well, that? that? I'm in. Are you in? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a team event this time, so let's uh, let's just have an answer. Oh, it's red breasted fly. Oh, back of them net. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yes, well done. Good, good. Uh, I'm surprised. Mark, yeah, Mark, any chance we could put that recording up on Zeno Canto? 
Alarm calling at Girdle Ness. <laughs> Please do. I'll send it to you now. You can use it next time you're out at, uh, at Kill Cool. It'll be falling out of the sky. Yeah. It, it, is this, is, does it make a different sound after a third can? After after a third can, it's probably a bit after more a third slurred. Can yeah. Does it make a different noise? <laughs> after yeah, it's just a bit more slurred, a bit more incoherent than it has been already. <laughs> so what have we done? We've done all this. Sorry, I'm just going through my list of Bird stuff. Bird Forum. Bird Forum, thank you. Yes, yeah, so as promised, we would uh, talk about the worst five people on Bird Forum. We're not actually going to list the worst five people on Bird Forum on this podcast, obviously, because uh, it's a, it's a season-long event and it's a, a league table. So let's just say there's there's been some movement at the top. The, the worst person on Bird Forum is coming under some serious challenge. Okay, I no. would say that I'd say that the worst person on Bird Forum was was dethroned recently, and it took a pretty it took a pretty serious effort by him to rethrone himself. That's all I can say. I'm afraid. That's all I can say. <sighs> Just more detail, more detail. And what sort of detail do you want? Well, what kind of thread are we talking? Oh, it's what? always going to be rare bird information. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> or bird ID. Specifically, it's been the Bird ID forum that the worst person on Bird forum has been uh, posting in to reclaim his title. And the challenger. And that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> that's enough. You're going to make the me lawyers say are listening. Exactly. Exactly. And also, if I say who it is now, then we've got nothing for the next podcast. So. Uh... Oh, that's true. <laughs> what else did I say I was going to talk about? So, um, we were going to talk about Gary Prescott. So, today, oh, yes. uh, Gary Prescott broke the British Green Listing record. He's up in Shetland at the moment, and he managed to connect with the Red Throat Pippet and the Great Snipe that's been giving them the runaround, I believe, um, that they finally pinned down today. And he's moved on to 290. So, that's so, him beating his British Green record, and he's now, is it 14 shy of the European Green yeah, I think that record. stands on 304 by... Is it an Italian guy? It's a Spanish fellow. He did it Spanish. specifically in Catalonia, actually. He cycled on Catalonia for a year and saw 304 species. Now who's shambolic, eh? Someone's been doing some research. Um, Boom! <laughs> but that's, that's an amazing achievement, and I think on the last podcast we highlighted uh, his website and his Just Giving page and his blog and all the rest of it. Having urged everyone to go and donate some money to Gary, I went to to do so. So I've put my money where my mouth is. He's supporting three excellent charities. Go and have a look on his Just Giving page to see what they are and give him some money because you've all got a little bit more than you need. So give it to, to some people who need it. We are at about half an hour, so let's wrap this up. So last month we made some predictions. Ryan and I made some predictions. Ryan predicted that we would have a Wilson's Petrol seen on a patch. I predicted we'd have a black-headed bunting. And I also predicted that I would beat my biggest day total on patch. And unless Niall can tell me otherwise from Ireland, I can confirm that none of those predictions came true. Is that right, Niall? Uh, yeah, no Wilson's petrols and, petrols and any patches over here anyway, that's for sure. What were you lot doing? <laughs> Patching for boats. Patching for boats, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Oh, go on, James. You Sorry, I've got a funny feeling there was a black-headed bunting somewhere, but I can't think if that's there's been one this in, month. There's been one in Shetland. Is it on, like, Fettler or something? Oh, maybe. I, I, 
Yeah, sorry, this this is a bit off piece. I was just trying to recall whether I saw one on the spreadsheet when I was doing the data. Oh, well, maybe you have. So maybe I did get uh, one right. Hang on, hang on one second. Uh, sorry, I know this is interrupting the podcast, but I'll have to have a look at the data. and I, I can't really do that. <laughs> so, yeah, let, let's scrub that bit because I can't really do the data without my laptop. Okay, I can I can live without knowing. I can I can accept being yeah. being wrong about being wrong. <laughs> yeah, welcome to my world. Um, <laughs> I'm constantly wrong. So, in light of not getting anything right last time, let's make some fresh predictions for the month of September. There's not too much of it left, unfortunately. So, for the the good thing about the autumn is that you know rarities have pretty specific windows. You can usually sort of predict for some of them at least what two week window they're going to arrive in. So, let's go for the second half of September, Julian. What's on your radar for the next two weeks? Um, what's on my what, what's on my radar sort of for the uh, for the end of September? Yeah. Um, um, go to someone else. Come back to me at the end. Let me think. <laughs> you realise I'm not going to edit that bit out. <laughs> it, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I, it, it just demonstrates how long it takes me to think about anything on a Sunday night. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'll go with mine. So my prediction is that on a patch somewhere. We will have a Petura Pippet this year, which I think we've had on Patchwork Challenge before, but yes. I'm going to stick my neck out and say that we're going to have one on a patch somewhere, and it's not going to be Shetland. We've also had that before. Have we? Yeah, we had one on uh, North Ron. Uh, that does, that's practically Shetland. That doesn't <laughs> count. I, know, I know it's cheating, really, but yeah. All right, uh, I'm going to, you know, well, I'm, I'm thinking go, like... Go bigger, go mainland. That's, what I'm, that's where I was going. That's what I meant by not Shetland. So, I'm going to say somewhere like, actually, sod it, I'm going to say Girdle Ness. There's going to be a picture at Girdle Ness, and it'll probably be while I'm on Sandy. So, uh, there you go, that's my prediction. So, uh, Niall, what are you hanging out for? Um, end of September, sort of strange Asian warbers seem to be all the rage, rage <laughs> these days, aren't they, like, you know, um, so I'm going to go for... Straight in for a large build leaf warbler in Steve Minton's garden. <laughs> in Steve Minton's garden. So that would be a first for the Western Palearctic. Absolutely. So that's quite a bold prediction. I like that. What was it? What was it? Ryan predicted last time, red back shrike or something, as well as his Wilson's petrol. I'm now going for red back shrike. <laughs> <laughs> that's the sort of prediction I like. A large build leaf warbler. Oh, I need to write these down, don't I? Excuse me. You can all hear the turning of pages there. Me, Petura. Male, large build leaf warbler. James, it's going to be great snipe, and uh, it's probably going to hit a net at Spurn. Okay. So James says, "This is really cracking podcasting, isn't it?" Me re-saying <laughs> the stuff as I write it down. Man writes list. Great snipe, Spurn, missed net. <laughs> And Julian, finally, you've had time to think. I've had time to think. Yeah. So my 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 prediction for my patch, I think, is going to be Rynek because there's been a good spread of them around the Welsh coast over the last few days, and some of them must leak slightly away from the coast and actually manage to get a few miles inland. Uh, so uh, I think there's been one previous record at Conwy. So yeah, that would be a lovely one to find. Excellent. And because we're all on the coast, we've neglected to think about anything inland. So would anyone like to come up with an inland uh, prediction? Uh, no. No? 
Well, <laughs> no, I will. Uh, I was just—I was about to say whiskey term, but I've just realised that Ben uh, Ben's just had one down at Argyle in well, Cornwall. You can, you can predict another one. I, I predict subsequent whiskered turns. Subsequent whiskered turns. I'm going to predict... Sab Wayne's goals for anybody who hasn't had them already. Sab skull. Ah, trash birds. Everyone's had a Sab skull. Um, <laughs> I think, think, I, think I, I'm going to go I'm going to go slightly bolder and think and go for Corrie Shearwater. I mean, if they can get one <laughs> over the streets of London, yes. then, you know, what, one of those big Midland reservoirs, maybe. Ooh. That When you think about it, that bird, look out. that bird could well be somewhere inland still. I mean, it was heading west over London, wasn't it? I mean, it it was going a long way before it hit the water again. It's probably just sitting in in some farm pond or something like that. I was I was going to say it's feasting on kebab in the east end and the west end at the moment, isn't it? I was going to say it's done well to fly west from, over London and end up in the east end. But um, <laughs> I know my prediction for the for an inland bird. There's one of them around at the moment, but it's inland anyway. So I'm going to say Franklin's goal. So we'll get another Franklin's goal somewhere. That'd be very nice. Wouldn't it? That's quite a that's quite a nice suite of uh, of predictions there. So Julian, if you were to if you were to find your Ryanek at Conway, how would that set you against all of the other RSPB reserves that are taking part in Patchwork Challenge? Well, we kind of uh, um, I did a little exercise earlier, and I kind of ranked all of the the points for all of the RSPB reserves that uh, for Patchwork up to the end of July uh, so far. Conway's kind of about mid table at the moment. Uh, so you know, if I found a Rhineck, that would that, that that would help a bit. But we're going, you know, the Frampton and Freestons of this world, and Rain and Marshes as well, and Titchwell. The, it's the East Coast sites mm. that do really well. So uh, in a, in the West Coast context, actually Conway doesn't do do badly. But Middleton Lakes, the RSP Reserve in bloody Staffordshire, is, is, <laughs> is, they've got more than we have, and they've got no sea. So well done to Middleton because they're doing really well. That's incredible. Um, is this something that you're going to update? Uh, yeah, I'm quite. Um, yes, yeah, I think I probably will actually. I mean, it didn't take that long to put together, and uh, I, you know, I think it's quite fun. Uh, so uh, the nice thing about it is, you know, there's a mix of people. There's some RSPB staff doing that, doing their own patches, and there's other birders who've adopted RSPB nature reserve patches for the challenge. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's quite a nice mix. So uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, it's it, it's just another take on it, isn't it? Uh, you know, there's nothing nothing beats a little bit of competitiveness between RSPB reserve wardens, is there? Well, that's uh, that's that's the whole beauty of the competition, really, isn't it? Whatever it is that gets you out in the field, obviously this time of year you don't really need a second excuse. But if there's something that gets you out out of bed half an hour earlier, or whatever it is that gets you out there, then you know, Patchwork Challenge is, is doing is doing the business if it's getting people out and about. If you if you do update it, please feel free to tweet it at Patchwork Challenge, and they'll. Uh, they'd, I'm sure that we'd all be delighted to see how everyone's getting on. And also, I know that James would be delighted to see someone else doing a, a mini-league table. So uh, please do that. <laughs> that. That would be a very much a highlight. <laughs> uh, James, you were going to say something as well. Um, yeah, so I asked a few questions on Twitter about six minutes before we started. Excellent. Uh, there's probably been lots of answers, but the four that I wrote down... Uh, the three or four that I wrote down beforehand. Uh, Are these questions so, for me? Are you asking me questions now? Well, it's just generically to the panel, really. Okay. Um, so, one of the first ones I got was mainly aimed at inland patches, so we're all pretty useless at that, having an estuarine and mostly coastal guys here. But um, when there's a big fall on, and you know, you've got a big movement of birds, like there has been this weekend. For an inland bird, did you go to your patch or do you go to the coast? Now, we know what Bill Aspin would do, but 
but what what would you sort of your, your average bird do? Do you know? I think that I, I'm with Bill on this. I very seldom do any birding away from my patch, and even if something good turns up up the coast that I really want to see, my mindset is if that can turn up there, then what can turn up at my patch? So I'm not, I, I don't get tempted off patch ever, really. So I'm, I'm with Bill. Stay on patch. I'd, I'd, I'd probably mix and match that. So I had a, I had an inland patch for many years. So um, yeah, I, I, you know, what I'd probably do is if there was a big fall on the east coast from Cambridgeshire, I'd go to the coast for the big fall because in two or three days' time, that's when you do going to hit. That's when you need to hit your patch because that's when those birds will have worked their way up the river valleys. Yeah. So I think you can have both. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think yeah, yeah, stuff will come in later inland, won't it? Like hits the coast first. So if you can take the opportunity to to get to see a bit of the actual fall, then it's probably good for your birding morale a little bit. Unless you're like Mark, who just has a pretty good uh, coastal patch anyway, so there's no point in them leaving and should never leave. You've never been to Girdleness, have you? <laughs> it's like a I golf course surrounded by condoms now. Car parks. It looks pretty good. <laughs> So give me another, give us another question, James. Okay, so we're now in the fourth year of the competition. So we all defined our patches in the first year. But yeah. if you could make one change to your patch, what would it be? Oh. Uh, it could be an imaginary change, I guess. What, what would you? I assume we'd all just stick a massive scrape in somewhere. That's it. I mean, I've got a, a very small amount of standing water, but it's. It was there was a pond created a couple of years ago, and for for the first yeah. year, before it all grew up, it had a it had a lot of potential for waders. It attracted green sandpiper and spotted redshank and and such. But we've had a couple of really good summers, and now it's like a bloody, it's like the Okavango down there. You can barely see the water, all the all the grass and all the rest of it. Um, so what I would love to have is just some open standing water and a muddy edge somewhere. I would be delighted with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in a similar position in that I've got, I mean, I, I had coup in August, which made me very happy because I have a puddle and a, dra- a farm drain is my fresh water. Mm. So, you know, I would kill for a proper piece of fresh water with some, some wader habitat. Actually, can I change mine? I've changed my mind. Yeah. A bin, a litter bin and people who put litter <laughs> in it. That's what I want on my patch. <laughs> Do you, want, do you want a dog poo bin as well? No, but bef- before we move on, what is it with the people who put the dog poo in the bag and then just leave that lying around on the floor? Uh, What's all that no, about? Or, t- or tying them onto or, fences or, or hanging in a tree. Yeah. yeah. You've done, it's all right. you've done the hard bit. You've picked up the, the poo. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I felt, like throw, I felt like throwing them at a few dog walkers myself over the years. <laughs> sorry, ran over. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, is that that one done then? Has anyone got any other? Uh, well, uh, I think mine would be. I think I would uh, if I could have the the estuary widened. And I don't. I mean, no one would mind if I kind of blew up Telford's eighteen twenty six bridge, would it? Would they? I so don't have some more seabirds. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? That's fine yeah, by that's me. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, Nile. Yeah, well, at Kilcool, basically, yeah, it's got it's got lots of great mixed habit, habitat. So I can't really ask for anything more in terms of habitat. But you're at sea level, so um, you know, could do with a, a a proper hide or a stand or just a bit of elevation for sea watching because most of the time you're kind of 
trying to climb bushes to get actually a bit of height to be able to see through the, through the swell, like, you know. <laughs> Just so a, so a nice tower hide. Yeah, tower hide would be perfect, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've just looked through the rest of the questions and they're all pretty rubbish, so or aren't really questions, so that might <laughs> want to be it. Okay, right. Well, we've we're going to come to an end there, guys. We're, the recording session has lasted forty-five minutes, and my friend Colin, who listens to this, his heart's going to sink if he sees a birding podcast that lasts for forty-five minutes. So we're going to have to stop now. But thanks all very much, uh, Julian. Thanks very much for coming on and being brilliant and much more professional and interesting than any of us uh that's the last time you're coming on uh thanks <laughs> thanks very much james and niall again we'll probably speak to you soon and uh thanks everyone for listening enjoy the rest of september and october and we'll speak to you soon thank you good luck i'd like to thank everyone who keeps patrick challenge going so james and co all the people who do all that hard work uh but also particularly the sponsors so Bressa and forest optics of course NHBS, The Sound Approach, British Birds, Bardsley Bird Observatory, and of course, Bird Guides, who have always been very helpful from the offset. So thanks very much to them.